Welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. As the title suggests, in each episode, I talk to an amazing person, somebody who has overcome some kind of adversity. It doesn't mean there's a happy, fluffy ending to everybody's story, but they've managed to get back to their kind of normal and make the best of what they have, whatever it is subsequently going on to inspire others. I hope this episode will help you in the way that has helped me. Today, I'm joined by an Olympian who has achieved the highest sporting accolade, Olympic gold in 2012 and silver in 2016. She achieved this in one of the toughest sports, having to excel in seven disciplines, including 100 meter hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200 meters, long jump, javelin throw, and 800 meters, all of which make up the heptathlon. Having retired from athletics, she's a mother and has launched her own app. Welcome to the podcast, Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And now, Jess, we are actually on location with you today. We're here in the studio where you've been doing a photo shoot. So please, everyone, excuse the background noises, but it's very authentic today. I suppose what I've admired about you is your lack of weakness and your determination in the face of struggle. Um, and it's something that I've I found you a real help to myself in my own journey. But just reading your intro like that, it's quite overwhelming to think what you've achieved in uh, your career, but also in your personal life, becoming a parent as well. How do you feel when you hear people list your achievements like that? Yeah, I mean, it still feels really strange to hear it. I think when you're in the thick of whatever you do, and when when I was in the thick of my career, you never really have that time where you really stop and think about what you've achieved to that point, Mm -hmm. what you want to achieve. Um, And it's only until you stop, you retire, that you look back and... Yeah, hearing hearing those achievements, it, it always gives me like goosebumps. I always feel just really, really relieved that I've achieved it and yeah. I can sit here and feel happy with the career that I've had, but also just really proud because I know what a journey it's been through, you know, the whole, whole of my career and particularly, you know, in the later years with, with having my son and coming back, it's... Mm. Yeah, some massive, massive challenges. With that kind of thought of, you know, quite overwhelming achievements is it hard to have those highs like then do you have to have the lows as well yeah I think the the biggest kind of time I experienced that was with the London Olympics Mm. you know you work so hard for so many years to get to that one point that you never quite think you'll get to Mm -hmm. and then you get there you achieve your dreams which you never think is going to happen you think you believe it but you think oh something's going to get in the way something's Mm going to happen and actually I got to that point where you know, I won a home Olympics and been the face of the Olympics, which was just the most bizarre thing. And then after having time off and then coming back into the cycle of training again, you know, going back to winter training, doing yeah. hill runs in Sheffield and the weight sessions. And, you know, being an athlete is it's not a glamorous life. Of You're course, there doing yeah. sessions by yourself or with a small group most of the time. There's no no one cheering at the sidelines. It's just yeah. you get on with hard work. And Quite isolating. Yeah, though. it can be really isolating. And it's it's a very strict routine that you just follow and it's you just do it and do it and do it. Yeah. And I did find it hard at that stage in my life because I kind of felt that, gosh, I've achieved all I could ever want to achieve on the biggest stage ever and at a young age at a young age and now I'm back again you know back into the cycle and it that was the point where I found it the hardest because I felt that you know I'd reached that 
that pinnacle and what what was going to keep me motivated to move forward. Yeah, I did wonder because I felt like we all have aims and goals and some take longer to achieve, some we don't achieve. Mm. But like you said, if you achieve them, then are you kind of aimless and, and floating around and all your energies were focused into something? And yeah. Because it doesn't matter what your financial situation is or how successful you are, everybody needs a purpose. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes if you are more successful or in a privileged situation, it can make it harder to feel unhappy because you feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was the feeling. It was kind of, my coach was very much, you know, we've got the World Championships the following year and we've got this and we've got this and he could always see a stepping stone and something else to work towards. But for me at that stage, I did feel quite like deflated and unsure what was my clear, yeah, yeah, my clear focus. And and thankfully for me, it was, you know, falling pregnant with Reggie and, right. you know, in the end of 2013. And that gave me like a huge sense of motivation and a mm-hmm. huge challenge in a completely different way that I never even thought about. It was the challenge of, you know, stepping away from my sport and my career, having that yeah. massive physical change, mental change, mm-hmm. and then having that aim of trying to recreate what I'd already achieved mm. on a on a in a completely different way as a completely different person I did wonder because I was you know I was thinking about you becoming a mother and I was thinking about my life is almost two separate lives I have my work life and then my private life with mm. my kids and I always feel more confident in the one that I do the most yeah so when I work loads I feel really confident at work yeah and people that don't have kids are like oh you've got a few days off now you can be with your kids and you know I never really talk about it on Instagram because it's a short place to talk about it and people I know will criticize me who are Mm. parents but I sometimes then feel disconnected from my children because Mm. it's not like just on your day off slotting in and doing things because you're not used to doing those things yeah and similarly if I don't have work for say a long period and I'm just with the kids all the time when I go back to work I'm a bit nervous yeah yeah it's not as easy as work kids work kids like it's very different no and that that was one of the hardest things because I think before I had Reggie I in my mind I was thinking yeah I'm going to do both I'm absolutely going to do both I'm going to bring him to the track he's going to come to competitions I'm going to do it it's going to be fine but actually that was a very very different situation because I couldn't just switch myself off you know I couldn't go and do a really fast run and run my best times over the hurdles while Reggie was on the sideline because if he made the slightest noise Uh or he needed me I was just my mind was just you know all over the place that's your instinct it's built in yeah it is and it's that having that that kind of divide so it's it's really hard as a mum I think it's one of the most challenging things to to create that balance and to do both, you know, because mm. you want to do both sides the best you can, yeah. you know, you can do them. Especially if you're used to always achieving some kind of perfection, that's ingrained in you. Yeah, you know, exactly. Hard. So I had that overwhelming feeling of, I want to be the best mom ever. Yeah. Like all mums do, you want to give them the best opportunities and, and make their life amazing. And, mm. it, you know, it creates a lot of pressure for yourself and, and yeah. for you as a mum, because, you know, perfection isn't always achievable in every area of your life and you have to you know have some little failures along the way to to get Mm. there I think I think also if you're used to being able to control most things in your life when you have kids you actually realize you can't control that you can't control the outcome you can't control how they're going to react to you you can't control on day-to-day basis how they're going to behave yeah I think that's that's such a good point I think 
when you're like a really logical person and, and particularly as an athlete, you train and you do this and you do that and everything's really structured. And then you have a baby and yeah. it's like, oh, I love so much you sleeping. Yeah, and, yeah. and oh, you won't have a spoon in your mouth. What? And yeah. it's just like everything is just crazy. Uh-huh. And it's amazing in so many ways because you look back and you think, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Like, you know, those days of uh-huh. randomness and every day is different. But I don't think anything really prepares you for No. And that if you're kind used to a schedule, it's yeah. hard to let go and just be disorganized and yeah you know. and I had to really kind of keep some kind of structure because if I didn't I wouldn't be able to get back to training of so yeah. I tried to get Reggie into a routine and tried to get him sleeping and to be fair he was he was pretty good in comparison to my daughter yeah. so it, it was okay but it is still a massive massive change to life yeah yeah and what about I mean I this isn't based on vanity like with you with your body your body's your career you know it's it's your investment and I would imagine you've been very disciplined with nutrition and health when your body changed in pregnancy how did it feel because it's another time where you can't be in control yeah I think ironically the first time I was pregnant I I just I loved it I just completely embraced it because I'd obviously never been pregnant before it's so exciting you just you don't understand or know how your body's going to change and Mm. I'd gone from this really toned six pack and Mm -hmm. everything just been like yeah. really tight That's and how we know you. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, you know, there's a huge bump, not really being able to see my toes, not being able to move <laughs> and, you know, in the way that I used to. And um, I just, I found it amazing. I, yeah. I had a really nice pregnancy. I, I stayed active and I kept running. And Were you able to stay active to the end? Yeah, That's I think good. I stopped running around about... 33 weeks That's but good. that was only because I, you know my hamstrings started to hurt and I felt that I was doing probably more damage than good you mm. know your body tells you when you've done enough and yeah I just thought it was incredible the way you know your body can change so much and yeah. grow your child is yeah really amazing and the second child did you feel the same because with my first pregnancy I was like you excited I had every app every book yeah and bought all these lovely things second child I didn't buy anything didn't buy anything. <laughs> yeah. I was just like I'm just alive yeah I'm, I'm going to work yeah, yeah it's fine. so true so the second time obviously I was retired at that stage right. so I still you know kept kept active not to the extent that I did before but I was still very much active still running and doing things but yeah I felt like oh gosh my body's changed really quickly and you're older this time. And you feel yeah, yeah you feel all the pregnancy symptoms way more than I did the first time mm. and I felt and your stomach stretched once so it's kind of looser do you think yeah I, I definitely felt like everything just went oh yeah we've been there let's go there again really quickly yeah and then you've got you know you've got a toddler as well and you're you yeah. know you're busy you, you know running nap. around after then there's no napping it's just life is is full on and did you did you get the six pack back yeah so I would say I do always look at myself yeah at, you know 2012 body and I'm like (laughs) I think we've all got that I should not look at that anymore and I think your body changes massively and I think you know you can get your body back and you can work hard of course but it's never a hundred percent the way it's going to be and it's that's not a bad thing because you know you've you've grown your child you've changed you're a different person but yeah I feel I love exercising and totally different way now I feel that I'm I'm strong I've got Mm -hmm. a good core and I just feel happy and confident in the way I look and that's for me that's the most important thing and you know having kids now I want them to see that and I want them to copy you yeah be confident in the way they look and and also with exercise I want them to 
have a good relationship with exercise and yeah. enjoying sport and a exercise. Healthy one. Yeah. yeah. And you've actually launched an app to help other people with exercise. Is that right? Yeah. So when I retired, I was unsure kind of what I wanted to do. And, yeah. and obviously exercise and fitness is been you know the main thing that has run through my whole life and when I retired the fitness side of it during pregnancy and postnatal was something that's really like I was really passionate about um because I think that so many women it's such a hard time because your body changes so much and yeah there's so much information out there and I definitely felt like I'm nervous to do certain things because people get really well and sometimes they get the advice don't exercise at all and actually that's quite harmful exactly and I think that's the thing that most women probably would do if you're unsure or scared that you're going to harm your baby just stop you just think I'm not doing it naturally you know I had some great people around me a fantastic physio and coach and they guided me with the right exercises to do when to do them how to do them safely and which were the most beneficial exercises right okay and that kind of made me feel that I want to put this in a way in a format where women can go and find these exercises and know that they're doing the safe exercise in the right way yeah um and can feel confident about exercising through their pregnancy and after as well and it's actually the stuff that you did when you were pregnant yeah Yeah. so my my physio put together you know all these exercises during each stage of my pregnancy Mm. postnatally which I found so helpful yeah because I think once you've had your baby you're kind of just like right I want to get running I want to do get really keen everything (laughs) back to normal and for me she was just incredible because she was like okay, I know you want to do that, but just actually think about what your body's done. Yeah. Think about how it's how your abdominal muscles have separated. Everything's yeah. switched off and loose. And she just gave me all these like really gentle exercises to do, which you think, oh, I'm not going to make that much difference. And it's boring and, and slow. And it's boring. It takes yeah. a long time. And actually they are the best exercises mm. to do because it gives you that base to then when you do start running, mm. you know that you're strong. You're not going to have any horrible issues that, you know, mm-hmm. so many women have post-pregnancy. Because they just don't because realize. Because they rush and yeah. yeah, and don't know the right exercises. So, and it's not just postnatal; that it's regular exercising as well. And yeah, so there's pregnancy workouts, there's postnatal, and then there's general fitness workouts. Oh, okay, okay. I'm um, going to download it. Yeah, yeah, do some circuits. So they're just yeah. circuits that I do all the time now, just to kind of fit into you know busy life and just find a way to exercise and exercise efficiently so I know I'm getting the best out of you know like a 20 minute workout as opposed to doing something that's not actually gonna be effective make that much difference I did wonder what's your training schedule like now you've retired do you train every day still no absolutely not I just I mean I actually would like to train every day now ironically but there's just not the time and obviously with the kids and work and everything else that's going on around Mm. I, I do like to find that time just to switch off and have 20 minutes, half an hour here and there. So I probably do like three sessions a week. Oh, that's good. That's a good yeah, balance. Yeah, just though. to have that balance. Yeah. And I think as the kids get older, you know, time frees up and I'll probably do a little bit more. But again, it's just having that balance and being able to to fit little bits in here and there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I'm definitely going to download it. It's called Jealous. Jealous, yeah. And that's, that was your nickname at school, is that yeah, right? My, yeah, my school friends used to call me Jealous and that's always <laughs> stuck. So, yeah, they'll be claiming that. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, actually, back in the days of school days and, you know, before you were the Jessica Ennis that we knew, who was it that kind of inspired you onto this path? Because you're an inspiration for not just women, a lot of men as well. Were there kind of key people that inspired you 
to become the person we know? Yeah, I think more than anyone, it was my parents, to be honest. They, you know, they introduced me to athletics and Mm. they were the ones who took me to training camps and drove me around the country to different competitions. My grandparents were a massive part in, you know, helping fund my athletics and, and, you know, get me to training after school and all those little things that, you know, we'll end up doing in a few years time Mm -hmm. with our kids, which is so important. Um, And then I, I met my coach, Tony Minicello, and he mm-hmm. kind of took things from there, you know, nurturing me as a as a young athlete, teaching me the event. Yeah. Um, and were yeah. your parents sporty themselves? Then do they have that background? Not really. No, they both did school sport, and okay. my dad was a bit of a sprinter. I think my mum did high jump a bit, um, but nothing. There's there's no one in the family that have been you know, really sporty. So they must be very proud of all your achievements then. Yeah, I think they still. I know if we talk about it, they're still just kind of a bit shocked like I am you know they just had you know two daughters they sent us off to um like a summer camp at the athletics club in Sheffield and my mum just remembers a coach coming up saying oh she you know Jess is a really good runner you should sign up to the club and my mum just thought yeah you know she enjoys it you know I never thought that anything would really come of it and then years went by and I started picking up medals at school level Yorkshire championships Mm. north of England and then it all progressed to Europeans world's Olympic titles and it wow just incredible really so they're very proud do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Also from something else. How did we get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tanya Byron. In these in-depth one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh, wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... Oh, God. Don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. So when you met Tony, I mean, obviously it's such a key relationship in your life. Did you instantly know you wanted him to be your coach or was it something that gradually developed? Uh, no, I definitely didn't want him to be my oh, coach really? at first. Yeah, he was really... Hi, Tony, if you're listening. Yeah, he's so nice. No, he was really quite um, quite a scary character at that time. Mm. And I was quite young and athletics was just about it being a hobby and just having fun. Whereas he was, you know, a proper coach. And yeah. he obviously saw potential in me and wanted, 
you know, didn't want to waste that. So he wanted to coach me and show me how to do everything the right way. And I suppose I felt a bit overwhelmed at first because I hadn't really seen athletics in that way. And, you know, thankfully he, you know, he grew as a coach, I grew as an athlete and he, you know, took me from, you know, a 13 year old that couldn't do any of the events really to Mm. Olympic champions. So he's a massive, massive part of why I was able to be so successful. And it's, it must be great sharing, you know, you, you share the hard work and the commitment together and then you share the successes together. Mm. But is it a roller coaster of a relationship? Like I'm thinking, say, in my career where you work with agents and managers, sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree and, and people get passionate if they have your best interests at heart. Yeah. I mean, is it one of those kind of fiery relationships? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Like you say, when you're so passionate about something, yeah. you both work really hard for something. It can go up and down. It's not all plain sailing and, mm. you know, you're instantly successful. You know, yeah. it takes years of, of hard work to get a little yeah. bit of success. And people don't, they know you as a celebrity or an iconic athlete. They don't really know the slog. No, no. You know? And I think particularly with the London Olympics, it kind of brought the Olympics and athletics to the forefront of everyone's mind, even mm. non-sport fans. But actually, you know, I'd been around for years before then trying to get to championships mm. And, and trying to win medals and yeah. train. You weren't new to this. You'd been yeah, behind the scenes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, me and Tony, we've, we work incredibly well together. But, you know, when you have injuries or setbacks mm-hmm. and you get frustrated, it's it can be hard because mm. you're both working towards one goal, but you are essentially very different personalities. Of course, yeah. One's a coach and one's an athlete. Yeah, and you touched on the injury there. I mean, we we all know about your your injury. Tell me about that time. It must have been a very difficult time in your life. Yeah, so I I felt like I was such a fortunate athlete and that I never really had injuries. I felt Mm -hmm. really lucky. And then it was once I graduated from um, uni, I started training a little bit harder, put all my energy into trying to get to the Olympics, which was in Beijing in 2008. And... Unfortunately, everything just kind of unraveled. I picked up three stress fractures in my right foot and, you know, I thought I'd be missing two weeks of training. It turned out I was missing months of training and and an Olympics. So it was a really heartbreaking time, really Mm. devastating and, um, yeah, a difficult time, but a really, really important time in my career and gave me a new sense of, like direction and perspective on mm-hmm. my career. Well, you just lightly skimmed over. You just I've said, oh, oh, I graduated. I'm like, hold on a minute. You're, <laughs> you're academic as well. You, you actually studied psychology. Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? People usually choose, I go to uni or I, I specialise in something and you did both. How did you find time to do that? I suppose, again, it was down to my parents. So my mum would always say, you know, keep just keep doing your athletics if you're enjoying it keep doing it but don't you know don't forget about your school stuff and yeah I just I just wanted to go to university I wanted to have something else in my locker I wanted to have a bit of a backup plan because Mm. sport can be so fragile Mm -hmm. and you can be an amazing athlete at the top of your game and it could all change in an instant Mm -hmm. so I think I always had that feeling of 
it could all end really quickly. Mm. So do you think it helped you when you had that injury, having studied psychology? Because I guess a lot of that is in, not necessarily in the mind, but the psychology of how you deal with it. Yeah. And how you reframe it um, and how you look at failures and success. Yeah, definitely. I think I've always been really fascinated with psychology and human behavior and how we view things and how we act. It's always something that's really fascinated me. And that's why I wanted to study psychology. Um, so although it wasn't a specific sports psychology degree, it was a general psychology degree. I still feel that I learned certain things mm. within my degree that I could apply to being an athlete. And I think... Yeah, it gave me, definitely gave me a lot of mental toughness. And I think that's been one thing that I've been able to have throughout my career that's allowed me to to go on to achieve what I did, just having that that mental strength. Mm. And I wonder, I mean, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are people that are coming to it for support on mental health, advice on confidence, anxiety. And I was thinking about how I could talk to you about that. And then I thought, well, back to that summer of 2012, all our eyes were on you, yeah. you know, it was like not just this country, the world, you know, and you'd have to be very robust and confident. And, you know, how, how do you get to be that person and how do you cope with that amount of pressure? Yeah, I think it's so easy for me now to sit here and be like, yeah, I loved every minute of it. It was great. Mm. It was, you know, the best time of my life. But if I actually take myself back to that time, it was it was hard because yeah. I I didn't I was have nervous a lot of for you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so much pressure, and I think I put so much pressure on myself because mm. I was like, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm never going to have this again. I I don't want it to go wrong. Yeah. Um, but equally, everybody else expected me to win, and if I'd come away with a silver medal, that would have been an absolute failure. Yeah, even which is crazy to say, medal. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it was it was yeah, really really strange time, but I think having having that consistency of great people around me, my family, my team, all those consistent people that have been around me for the years leading into the London Olympics, they helped me so much and they mm. gave me perspective and my coach would say to me, it's just another heptathlon. You know, you're competing yeah. against the same girls. You've done all the training. So when I stepped out onto the track, I did have confidence because I just told myself, I've done this so many I times. Yeah. I've done training that is much harder than what I'm going to have to do now. I am ready for it. And... Mm. Just, yeah, just do it. So do you think you approach things in your life with a kind of failure's not an option approach? I don't I don't think about it. I just don't let my mind even wander into that. And I know mm. that can be so hard. And, you know, it's very easy to try and think positive and then you start drifting off to the negatives that could happen. But mm. I literally did not even let myself think all those people are watching. Right. What if I so fall over the what? Space. No, no yeah. I, I, because I think if you start thinking all those negative thoughts, they can become a reality. Yeah, yeah. So you really believe in that. It so, kind of encroaches. Absolutely. I think yeah. that if I had lined up for the hurdles and in the back of my mind I was thinking, oh, if I, what if I fall over the first hurdle? I probably would have fallen over the first yeah. hurdle because it's in there. Mm -hmm. I've planted that seed. Whereas I stepped up on that line and I was like, I'm going to blast out of these blocks harder yeah. than I've ever blasted out of them. I'm going to attack every hurdle, and that's all I thought about. It was. So, do you believe in that visualization? Then? Yeah, massively. Yeah. I think it's. I think you can take it into every part of your life. Mm. I think that if you visualize, you know, a perfect outcome 
and you keep thinking about it and telling your mind that, then I think it really helps in making it physical. Is there any other things you do mentally to prepare outside the physical training? Is there any tips like when there's something big and something happening? Is there a way that you get your mind in the right place? I think, I don't know, I think it's different for everyone, but I would just... I suppose I just play down situations. Mm -hmm. So instead of letting a situation overwhelm me and get very big, which is very easy to do if Mm. you've, for me, you know, going on stage or presenting an award or Mm -hmm. talking in front of lots of people, that can be quite nerve wracking. Oh, that's interesting. Because I wouldn't think you'd be nervous. But it's not what I normally, like on a track, I'm comfortable. Yeah. But, you know, presenting or commentating that's Mm -hmm. a different world for me yeah um so I do feel nervous but I suppose my coping strategies play it down like Mm. just think just just don't think about keep it cool just yeah just be calm just do it don't overthink everything don't start getting yourself in a flap just stay calm and yeah I think that definitely helps so do you have areas in your life where you lack confidence or you can't apply the mindset that you apply to say sport and um I think it's when it's just new challenges Mm. I think sometimes I can take the approach of oh no I'm gonna say no to that because actually that's new and I'm a bit uncomfortable. I I, I just don't think I'll do that. Where actually, I think I'm trying to embrace new things because I think you just, you grow and you adapt and you, you know, you have bits of failure, but you learn from it and you get better. Mm. And it's it's stepping out of your comfort zone Mm. and doing something new, which I'm trying to do like a little bit more of, which I think is good for me. And you really did do that after giving birth. It was about 15 months you went back. I mean, they say like you're postnatal for 12 months anyway, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I know with my children, I went back to work. The first one I had five months off, which actually felt like a long time. Yeah. And with the second one, I the, the pregnancy was it took a longer time to conceive mm. so in the end it, the, the dates that I fell pregnant were more unplanned yeah and I'd booked to go on a tour around the country and I was speaking to her so and I'd already sold the tickets so oh, I had to gosh. go back to work 30 days after oh, wow. so and I'm just looking back thinking about when I did that and yeah everything's changed you know head to toe yeah. inside outside what was it like for you to go back to such an extreme climate from motherhood and only 15 months later yeah it was honestly the hardest thing that I've done because like you say you've changed so much Mm -hmm. and you just feel so different and you see things differently and it's not all about you it's about your baby and and been there and you you question everything you do and you worry that you've made the wrong decisions and you worry that you're affecting that it's everything is all consuming um and I think I slowly started easing back into training around about four months. Oh, okay. Um, so I was quite flexible with what I could do. So it wasn't like going back to a full-time job or yeah. a nine-to-five. I could train a bit and then come back and go back and train. And it was it was relatively flexible, but it was hard because I was literally going back to training and... I couldn't do half the things yeah, I, I could do before. Frustrating. I was, yeah, I was yeah. so slow. I had lost all my strength. I was at the back of running groups all the time. I just couldn't find that extra gear that I had before. And I really, mm. really doubted whether I could actually, you know, qualify for another major championships at mm. that stage. But you could. You were successful and you yeah. know, it was amazing for us all to see you do it. Yeah, it was yeah. probably one of my greatest achievements, you know, making, firstly qualifying for the World Championships the following mm. year, but actually winning was, 
it was such a surreal moment because only really myself and my husband and my close family knew how hard it was mm, and, mm. and, you know, how up and down I was, how much I just worried that I was doing this and it wasn't going to be worth it mm-hmm. or was I going to regret it or should I just stop? And I was just constantly, like, of being course. tugged. Yeah. And then when I won that gold medal, I just knew it was all you know, it was all done in the right way and it was worth it. And I could take that back to Reggie and he was a massive part of all of that. Do they understand your career, your children? Liv doesn't. She, she, she's only two, so she doesn't really, really get it. Yeah. Yeah. They know, like I said, you know, that mummy used to do running and she kind of does, but doesn't. (laughs) But Reggie does, you know, he's five now and he, he's at school. So obviously people say to him things now and it's, it's all very different. Oh, well, kids are exactly the same age then, because my oh, eldest is five and my youngest is two. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's a nice a, gap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a really nice gap. And it's, yeah. I feel that it's kind of nice and balanced now. Mm. They, they play together and it's, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. So he must be really proud, Reggie, of you. Yeah, I think so. He's getting to that, like, cool age, you know, yeah. where he wants to, like, do his hair a little bit. I noticed, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I was just laughing the other day because we've got this picture up in the toilet and it's me crossing the finish line. It's a photo mm. finish of the hurdles. And um, we're in there and he was just like, mummy, you look really different <laughs> on that picture. And I was like, Cheers, yeah. what do you mean? Is it because I'm just not wearing my crop top and running knickers? Is that why? <laughs> but they're just so like brutally honest. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it just makes me laugh so well. Bless him. <laughs> I mean, obviously you get amazing highs from being a parent, but I did wonder, do you miss the adrenaline? You know, now you're retired. Can anything replace that adrenaline or do you just not need it anymore? Uh, I suppose I really feel I don't need it. I When I commentate and I watch athletics live, I do absolutely get that adrenaline, nervous oh, wow. energy. And, you know, I remember commentating at the World Championships and sat with Denise when yeah. um, Katerina was about to break my British record. And I was sat there going, oh, gosh, this is awful, <laughs> this is awful. And I, I really do feel that adrenaline, that nervous energy. And I like that feeling, but... I know what it takes to be on the track and I know what it takes to be at that level again and to perform in yeah. that way. And it takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of tears and stress. And it's a really full on time of your life. And I, I don't miss that anymore. Yeah, you know what goes yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've done that part of my life and I'm actually enjoying watching and mm you know being a mum and doing other things it's it's just different now. well it's quite amazing because I guess my first question to you was do you ever feel dissatisfied and actually it sounds like you're in a really good place where you are satisfied you've achieved what you wanted to and and now you can enjoy the next phase of your life you know? yeah I feel so so lucky that I was able to you know start my career the way I did and mm. it wasn't a smooth ride all the way through but it got me to some incredible highs and yeah. I would never have imagined that I would have achieved that so to have been in that position to have been able to say right I'm finished now I would like to retire and retire yeah. on my own terms what is, a great feeling is, yeah an amazing yeah. feeling because it's very unique and so many people are forced into retirement through you know not through any choice of themselves but through injury mm. so yeah I, I do feel that yeah I'm, I'm sat here 
having looked back on an amazing career and two amazing children that yeah. bring me so much joy. Yes. Um, yeah, life is is very fulfilling. Oh, it's amazing to hear. I mean, you've always been an inspiration to me and you've always encouraged me to never give up and to break through boundaries and weakness. So I think now I'm going to go home and download the Genesis app and start training like you. Yeah, <laughs> come and do a workout with yeah. me. No way. <laughs> I'll just do it at home in my pants. <laughs> Not next to you in your pants. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the podcast I hope that other people will get a lot from what you've said as well because I know you motivate lots of people in different areas in life so I hope so too thank you thank you thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People if you haven't already please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed this please help us spread the word rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials